You can go ahead and turn in your copy of God's Word to Ephesians chapter 5. You see on the board Romans chapter 12 as well. That is actually our second point uh, for our study this morning. And yet I was so confident that we're not going to get there that I didn't actually even make a PowerPoint for it. So uh, we're pretty much going to remain in Ephesians 5 this morning, although if you want to turn to Acts chapter 4, we will be be looking to that toward the end. So if you want to put a ribbon in Acts chapter 4, that would be good. But as you know, we have been studying and looking at the doctrine, the person, and the work of the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives. And we've been looking at all the different categories that the scripture uses in order to inform us. And, and once again, I haven't said everything. There's, uh, there was no intention for us to ever say anything. What I'm, what I'm attempting to do through this study is to give you a framework by which you will understand how the Spirit works in your life and, and hopefully whet your appetite to search the scriptures and look for more and to see how the Spirit works in very specific ways. We have, um, we've, divided it into basically three, two big categories, and that is the person of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit. Uh, we looked at his person pretty quickly. Uh, it took only two Sundays to do that. Uh, but then we were looking at his work, that how he works in our lives and in our church, and, and we've taken a little more time to do that. And, and we've divided it up, once again, into three big categories, and that is, number one, his works for us, his works in us, and his works through us, which is what we are starting today. And so the Spirit's work for us, the Spirit's work in us, and the Spirit's work through us. And, and really, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. I, I hope by now that you have gained an appreciation and even a love for the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift that Christ has given us is Christ himself and that uh, Christ is brought to us by the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit is also spoken of as the gift of salvation, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you are saved, you have received that. You know the Holy Spirit. He is the one who brings salvation to us us, if it were not for the Holy Spirit, then God would have planned the work, Christ would have accomplished the work, but it would have been up to us to complete the work. And you can see that's a real problem because not a single one of us would have ever done it. And I don't believe that God would have wasted the precious blood of his perfect son on the cross if he did not have a way to ensure that it was going to be applied to the lives of sinners. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit secures for us. He brings salvation to us. And you remember our basic framework that God planned, God the Father planned salvation, God the Son accomplishes salvation, and God the Spirit applies salvation to us. And he does so immediately at the moment of salvation. We talked about that. But then there are also continuing works that he does in our lives. And and that's that's really what we talked about last week. And I hope you notice that there's really not a, I mean, we're separating it out so you'll understand the different ways, but there's really a lot of overlap here. That, that you know, the Spirit indwells us. Yes, he indwelt us at the beginning, but that indwelling keeps on, keeps on going. Yes, the Spirit baptized us in Christ. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that today. 
And yet that keeps on going. We saw that a lot of those works have an initial phase, but they also have a continuing work that goes on. And so, and yet this morning, now we're asking the question, how do we experience the Holy Spirit? How do we experience? We talked about the anointing last week, that the anointing is not some uh, major thing that you experience, that it comes over you and you start acting like an animal or you start jumping up and down or, or, or all of that stuff. It's, it's not that. It's that the Spirit empowers you. He applies the work of God to you so that you are now able to carry out the work of God in your life that you are now able to, to act in those priestly ways by worshiping God. You're now able to act as a representative of him and bringing the reign of Christ into your life, just as the kings and the priests were anointed of old. And so all of these things that we saw, but how do we experience that? What, what, is, the, what is the everyday experience of the Holy Spirit that hopefully that we experience in our life? And that's what we're looking at this morning. And then uh, what we were going to look at, but I have a feeling we're not going to get there. But then we're going to see this, how does this play out in the church? How does this play out in the church? And really we're looking at two things, the filling of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're looking at. And so this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians 5. And as we read, you probably already saw the command that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That if you want to experience the, the experience of God, if you want to experience the work of God in your life, then you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we are looking at this morning. How do we experience the Holy Spirit's ministry? How can we know that we are living in the Spirit versus living in the flesh? And the answer is that we must seek the work of the Holy Spirit through us. We must seek the Spirit to work through us. And he's gonna do that in two ways, by filling us and by his gifts for ministry. And so first in Ephesians chapter five this morning, Paul commands us, and I want you to understand that even though it is in the passive, even though he says, be filled, not fill yourself, that's, that's not something we can do, but he does command us to be filled in the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that this is a command that we are to obey. All of the other works of the Spirit that we looked at were not commands, these were things that the Spirit does for us when we are saved and in salvation. But now, in order to seek the Spirit to work through us, these are commands that we do need to heed in our lives. This is truly where the rubber meets the road. This is truly, this is really our part in sanctification. Last week and the week before, we looked at God's part. We looked at the Spirit's part in making us holy. But this is really our part in pursuing holiness. We are not passive in the process. We don't just give it to God and, and then we are automatically holy. No, there is responsibilities on our part. There are commands to obey. There are examples to follow. There are things to do. There are uh, avenues to pursue. There is ministry to perform. There is all of those things. And while, yes, God empowers us to do those things, he does not do them for us. I want you to hear this. 
God does not do ministry for us, but he does do it through us. And so it's not just an issue of giving it to God and being completely passive. There is work to do, but we need to make sure that we are doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in the flesh, not in the flesh. And how can we do that? By Ephesians, we must seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. Seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? This is very important. We need to understand this because our holiness depends on it. We, we've got to know what this means. And we, and we talk about it all the time, but I, but I fear that in talking about it, we use kind of this language that really doesn't give you a concrete answer of, okay, this is how I do it. This is what it looks like. This is how I respond. This is something that I can, I can put my hands around. I can actually grasp with my hands and say, this is what I need to do in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of times we fall short and helping that. So I want to talk about that this morning. And, and it is so important that I really don't anticipate getting to the gifts of the Spirit today. In fact, it is so important I'm not gonna get to the gifts of the Holy Spirit today because this is something I don't wanna burden you with anything else this morning other than how to be filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean? Well, a couple of things we need to keep in mind. Number one, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Remember, we talked about that. That he is a person, that, that this is not an impersonal force. This is not a, you know, this is not the force of the Jedi or, or anything like that. That the Holy Spirit is a divine person. And so we are being filled by a person. And a lot of times when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, you get the impression that we are speaking of the Spirit as kind of a substance, as something that we are empty and the Spirit is filling us up like, a, like filling up a cup of water. I remember watching a service of a certain church in Redding, California, a certain church whose music we do not use here. And uh, they were singing a, a worship service where uh, all they did, uh, they were just lifting up their hands and swaying back and forth saying, fill me up, Lord, fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. Is that getting annoying? Yeah. They did that for 17 minutes. 17 minutes they did that. Beloved, that has nothing to do with Christianity. That is a mantra. That is a pagan ritual. That is not Christian worship. The Spirit is not a substance that fills us up. We're not, that's not what the filling of the Holy Spirit is. He is a divine person. He is a person of the Trinity. He is not a substance that we can kind of run low and empty on like your gas tank. It's not what happens. Number two, the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. We need to understand this. This is a function of salvation. If you do not have the Spirit, then you are not in Christ. 
Romans chapter eight, verse nine. I think I put this on the board, didn't I? He says that if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, does not belong to him. Beloved, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. And so we need to understand that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not something that you need to gain that you don't have. We're not, we're not looking about getting something that you don't already have. You were fully indwelt with the Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation. You have all the Holy Spirit you need. Of course, the question is, does he have all of you? That's a question we need to ask. That's a legitimate question. But we do have all the Spirit. Beloved, you already have the Holy Spirit. I mentioned one of these Turing Heaven books that got so popular a while back and that everybody was just saying you had to read. And, and in the book, the little boy who supposedly went to heaven says that the Holy Spirit is like this blue fog floating around heaven. And he says that he was shooting power to his dad as he was preaching, little lightning bolts of power while his dad was preaching. Beloved, if uh, that book was released about me and my child said that he saw the Holy Spirit shooting power to me from heaven then you need to fire me. Because why in the world do I need the spirit to lightning bolt power from heaven if he already lives in me? You see the problem here? You see why these books are so dangerous? And so you don't need the spirit to lightning bolt you from heaven. You've got the spirit within you. And so you don't need that. You're not getting something you don't already have. And then... We also just, and this is the last one, we should not confuse the filling of the Holy Spirit with some kind of second work of grace. That, that's not what this is. And, and, and that's where some people will use the language of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You'll hear that a lot. And, um, and they'll say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second work of grace that must be experienced after salvation. This actually came up in our Sunday school class today. And they will say that it's, that it's evidenced by things like speaking in tongues and, and such things as that. And that if you do not have this work of the Holy Spirit, then you are a have-not of the Christian life. There are the haves and the have-nots. Now, some people wanting to find a, a, a place of, uh, of um, agreement will say they're, what they're talking about is something real. They're just using the wrong language. That, that when they say the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what they're actually talking about is the filling of the Holy Spirit and they're just using the wrong language. But beloved, the filling of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing need. It is not a one-time decision. There's not a second work of grace that you should be searching for. The Spirit, does, the, the scriptures and the Spirit do not speak in those terms. By the way, that's one of the reasons you've probably noticed after nine years, I've, I've never encouraged you to rededicate your life. Because that language, rededication, is kind of, is too similar to this in my opinion. And quite frankly, when you tell me you need to rededicate your life, that's not a biblical word. I don't know what you're talking about. Is there sin you need to confess? Are you a false confessor that needs salvation? Do you have a weak conscience and you think every time you stump your toe, you're, God's mad at you and you need your conscience strengthened? I, I don't know what you need. 
when you say, I need to rededicate. So that's why I don't use that language. And so the filling of the Holy Spirit is not that. It's not that. It's none of those things. And so what we talked about what it isn't. Let's talk about what it is. So let's get off the negative and let's go to the positive. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? What are we talking about here? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The scripture uses this word filling to refer to things such as the controlling influence of your behavior. The controlling influence of what you do. So, so for example, scripture speaks of people who are filled with anger and then they go out and they do something, Right? So what's the controlling influence of their behavior, of their decision that they just did? Their anger. They were filled with anger, right? You'll hear other, you'll see other places in scripture where someone is filled with joy and they, and they, and they break out in praises and they break out in, in, in song and worship of God because they're filled with joy. That their, their joy is the controlling influence of what they are doing, right? You see that? And today, we'll even say things like, boy, he is filled with rage, right? He's a rage monster or something like that. What are we talking about? We're talking about someone whose personality is is completely and totally dominated by their anger. We're talking about what is it that controls you? What is it that influences your behavior? What is it that influences you more than anything else in your life? That's what we're talking about. It's the primary controlling influence in whatever actions that you take. And you can kind of see this in the command, can't you? Because look at verse 18. He says here, and do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, that verse always struck me as a little odd because nowhere else in Ephesians does Paul talk about getting drunk. It just kind of comes up out of nowhere, right? It's it's like, why does he say, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit? I I think what he's doing here is, first of all, he's telling you not to be drunk. I mean, that's obvious. But, But the second thing that he's doing here is that he is giving us kind of a frame of reference of how to understand the filling of the Spirit. Because when you are, when you are intoxicated, when you are drunk and you go driving, what do they call that? DUI driving under the what? influence. And when you are drunk with wine, you are under the influence of that wine, right? That wine becomes the dominating factor of what determines your behavior. And so Paul's giving us this frame of reference to say, look, don't be drunk with wine. Everybody in Ephesians would have known what that was like. So he's saying, don't be drunk with wine, but instead let the controlling influence of your life be the Holy Spirit. That's what he's doing. The controlling influence. In the same way, the spirit becomes our primary influence. So it's not an abstract being filled up with some substance or something like that. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to determine your choices, to help your behavior, to become the dominant influence in your life. So that's what it is. How does it happen? And this is where the surrounding context is gonna help us out a little bit. I'm, I'm not gonna give a full exposition of Ephesians here, the paragraph, but I just want you to look at some of the principles that are, that are brought out. And, 
And, and don't separate these. These are all part of one paragraph. So, so don't separate these. They're all should be understood and linked together. What's he talking about here? The primary command we find in verse 15 is this. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Look carefully how you walk. What does a walking wisely, what does that mean? He says in verse 16, he says, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So how, how are we to walk wisely? We're to walk wisely by making the best use of our time because the days we live in are evil. And by the way, you know that, don't you? I mean, you see all the craziness happening in the world, but just think about your normal day. Think about the monotony of your schedule. Think about the boredom of your cubicle. Think about sitting around all day and just nothing to do but watch TV. Think about the monotony and the, and the continuation. You, you hear people all the time, hey, what have you done this week? Oh, just work and sleep. We know the days are evil, don't we? We know the days are monotonous. We know the days are just sometimes even soul-crushing boredom, Right? What do we do here? And so literally what Paul is telling you is, look, don't go on autopilot. Don't just go through your day, but make the best use of your time. Make the best use. In fact, the word actually literally means redeem your time. Redeem it out. Use it for the Lord. Use our time that we are given to glorify him. So how can we do that? Okay, use the best use of our time. Okay, got it, Randy. I got that. I need to redeem my time. But how do I do that? Verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish living like someone who doesn't know what the will of the Lord is, but instead understand what God's will is in this day, at this time. By the way, where do we gain that? Where do we gain that? We understand the will of the Lord how? By knowing his word and knowing the principles and the concepts and the truths that we are to live by, right? And we take those concepts, those principles, those truths, and we understand what the will of the Lord is in that moment, in the situation. There we gain guidance for help. We gain help for life and godliness, and we seek the spirit in prayer to follow that will. That, that's verse 18. After all of this, okay, okay, be careful how you walk, okay? How are we to walk? You're to walk wisely, okay? How are we to do that? Two things. Number one, understand what the will of the Lord is, and secondly, be filled with the spirit. Understand what the will of the Lord is, and then allow the Spirit to strengthen you and help you to obey that will. That's what the filling of the Spirit is. Allow His will to be what you want to do and depend on the Spirit to give you strength to obey it. That's how you're filled with the Holy Spirit, is when you become dependent on His strength when you know that I wanna do something that I really don't want to do, but I know this is the Lord's will and therefore I need help 
And so we cry out to the Lord in prayer and then we go forward in his strength, which by the way is often going to be our weakness. Just because you pray doesn't suddenly, you don't suddenly just gain, oh, now I really wanna do this. Beloved, that doesn't always happen. But we do it. We do it in our weakness, which is his strength. So there's a biblical example of this. Let's, let's, let's look at this concretely in Acts chapter four. And again, I'm not gonna go over the entire text. Uh, Acts chapter four, the apostles are preaching and people are getting saved. Someone's been healed and the religious leaders of the day can't ignore it any longer. They, they bring Peter and John in before the council. And at this point, they're warned and they're released. They're not, I don't think they're beaten at this point, but they are warned and they're told, if you keep doing this, we're going to. And when they were released, verse 23, they go to the house to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elder said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and, and they pray. And now I want you to notice in verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word in all boldness. Now, I want you to understand that they are being threatened by physical violence. They're being threatened with death. They come together and they, they tell them everything that happens. There is a godly need here that they need. And so they pray to the Lord and they understand that Jesus told them that you will become my witnesses first in Jerusalem. They knew what they had to do. They understood what the will of the Lord is. And so they say, Lord, we know, we know this is what we must do. So grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, et cetera, et cetera. And so they knew what the will of the Lord was. They knew that they were scared. They knew that they were intimidated by the religious leaders. And so they pray that the Lord will grant them boldness to do God's will. And look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Do you see that connection? Do you see the example here? They prayed for God's help to obey. Notice, they didn't pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many times in churches do we pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Which, by the way, there's not anything necessarily wrong with that. But notice what they're doing here. They're not praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They are praying for God for them to obey. They're praying to God for the strength, for God to give them the boldness they need to obey his word. And then the filling comes. Do you see that? That's how we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's give some practical examples here. Go back to Ephesians chapter five for a moment. I usually pick on the men, so... Let me pick on the ladies this time. Look in verse 33. Talking about marriage. 
By the way, Paul, look at this connection here. Paul says, each of you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what does he talk about? He talks about family life. He talks about children with parents, parents with children. He talks about slave and masters, which that would translate today into employees, employers. This is all of that, right? All of this, where are we filled with the Holy Spirit in every aspect of life? We need it when we go to work. We need it when we come home. We need it when we, when we are with our children. Children, you need it for your parents. We need all of it. We, this is a continual need in our lives. Never goes away. So in verse 33 in Ephesians 5, he says, let each of you men love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband's. And like I said, I usually pick on the men here, so I'm gonna pick on the ladies this time. Ladies, your husband comes home, he's had a hard day at work, and he does something or he's acting, he's just, a, he's just being a jerk, you know? I'm so glad Roxanne doesn't have to deal with this. <laughs> just being a jerk, you know? Just, just gr- grumpy and just picking for a fight. You know, not even about anything, just, just trying to start a fight, you know? I know no one else does that, right? I'm the only sinner in the room, so nobody else does that. I, I know that. But you're just picking for a fight. And you know the will of the Lord is to see that everyone is, every wife respects her husband, even when he's not doing things that are deserving of respect. You know what the will of the Lord is and what do you do? You cry out to help, to obey the will of the Lord instead of respond the way you want to. Most of the time when a spouse is picking for a fight, we're more than happy to oblige, right? But not this time. This time, Lord, I want to obey you here. Help me. He's being stupid. Help me. And in your weakness, you, show, you look for a practical way to show respect even when he is not worthy of respect in that moment. And men, the same thing. We can say the same thing. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. You come home and she's had a long day at work and again, just itching for a fight. Lord, I know I need to love her as myself. And that's so hard to do right now. Help me. And then in your weakness, you show sacrificial love to her. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. Parents, Fathers, verse four of chapter six, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Oh, how often, how often. We just want to knock some sense in those knuckleheads, right? Your kid's upset about something that, like if only I had those problems, you know? (laughs) I would love to go back to those days. Your kid's upset doing something dumb. Fathers, do not provoke your kids to anger. All you want to do is just let them have it, right? Lord, this is your will for me. I need strength to do it. Children, you just want to obey your parents all the time, don't you? Your parents are so smart. They know everything. And man, you just need to 
learn from their wisdom and, and they just understand your life and they understand everything you're going through right now, right? Yeah, the parents are in here going, right. <laughs> well, we know that's not always true. Man, kids are dealing with stuff today that quite frankly, I just didn't have to deal with when I was a kid. I, and every parenting generation has their own challenges, but beloved, some of you in here, you didn't have to parent during the age of social media. I'm telling you, it's added a whole new dimension. And every generation has their challenges. I get that. I'm not belittling that. But children, you think your parents are being too hard? You think they're being, they just don't understand? But you know the will of the Lord is children to obey your parents. Lord, I don't want to do this right now. So fill me, help me to obey. And in your weakness, you obey. As long as they're not telling you to do something that disobeys God. Understand the will of the Lord, what it is to do, and then you seek the Spirit's power to obey. Beloved, that is the filling of the Holy Spirit. I know it's not flashy. I know it's not exciting. I know it's not gonna make you jump a pew right now. I know it's not gonna make you all exotic and, 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 and jump on the floor and act like an animal. or, or any, It's not gonna do any of that but it is gonna make you like Christ. It is gonna make you like Christ. What did Jesus say in the garden? Father, not my will, but what? Your will be done. And beloved, when you are praying that prayer, you are seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Graham Cole and his masterful work on the Holy Spirit, a theology of the Holy Spirit, here's what he says. He says, if I want to be filled with the Spirit, then I must set my heart to obey his will and call upon him for the power to do it. Obey in my weakness and his strength. And then you will experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, it's in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So we go forward obeying in his strength and in my weakness. When I don't want to, when I don't feel like I can, when I'm tired, when, I've, when something's going on that's got me grouchy, when, I'm, when, when all of these things are going on and when I am weak, beloved, that is the moment you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the moment that you need the filling of the Spirit to help you obey precisely what you don't want to do. And you obey in your weakness, in His strength. And beloved, that's when you see the power of God in your life. His power comes in our weakness, not in our strength. So beloved, will you this week, what ways, what practical ways will you seek to be filled with the Spirit? Say, I wanna be filled with the Spirit, Randy. Then you must first and foremost set your heart to obey the will of God. 
We have this Who's Your One campaign coming up and, and, and some of you have already chosen your one and you've already told me who they were and, that, and that's wonderful. Uh, others, you're, you're nervous about it. I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I, 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 know, I, I know I wanna share my faith, but I don't know how I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I don't ha- I'm not outgoing all of these reasons. Beloved, that is your weakness. And that's okay. In fact, that's better. Because when you go out in your weakness, you're gonna go out in his strength. And you're gonna see the power of God moving in your life. And that's what we want, amen? Amen. So if you're here this morning and you want the fullness of God in your life, then number one, you must set your heart to obey him And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, well, Randy, I don't really have a heart to obey him. Maybe it's because you don't have the spirit indwelling you. If the spirit's not indwelling you, that means that you don't know Christ. This morning, perhaps something was said or done that has enticed you to come to know Christ and to know and have salvation. I want, I, I've lived in my strength. I've lived in my flesh. I've lived in my power. And I know that I am just gonna mess things up. I'm just gonna make a total mess of my life if I do this. If I continue going the way I am, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Beloved, first you need to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that will come when you put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone for your salvation. He died on the cross for you so that you can be forgiven of your sins. And if that's your need this morning, I want you to come. I want you to know how you can be saved. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, so much that it's precisely in our weakness that the Spirit comes and gives us strength. And Father, I do, I desperately pray this morning that you would fill Calvary Baptist Church with your spirit. May we know you. May we see your fruit. May we be empowered to obey. Lord, we're tired. It's been been such a rough 18 months. We're tired. Some of us are lonely. Some of us are having the stressors of everything that's going on and we're weak. We're so exhausted. And so Lord, fill us with your strength. Give us a heart to obey. It is, it, you are the one who gives us both the will and the strength to do your will. And Lord, I pray desperately with all my heart that you, that you spirit, that you would fill this sanctuary with your presence and give us the strength to obey your word, to expand your kingdom, to reconcile to to everything that is needed so that Calvary will be a reflection of your glory. Lord, that's what we want. That's what we're praying for. That's what we need. Lord, if there's one here this morning that does not know you as Savior, maybe they've attended church all their life but they've never been filled with the spirit. They've been living in their flesh. Uh, The only thing that directs what they do is what they want. 
Lord, if that person is here this morning and perhaps you're moving them, I pray they would come and seek Christ. Whatever the need is, I pray that you would work in the lives of your people. Lord, if there's one thing we can do this week to bring our lives into closer conformity with you, help us to do it. Fill us with your spirit. Give us strength to obey. Let's stand. And I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads just for a few seconds. Just to reflect on what's been said as our musicians play, I'm gonna ask you if, just think one thing this week that you need to obey the Lord. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're, maybe you're struggling with some aspect of sanctification. Maybe, maybe you just need to draw closer to the Lord. Maybe you need to be in the Word. Or maybe you need to join Calvary Baptist Church. Would you pray for God to help you obey this week? And then even in your weakness, would you do it? Your weakness, His strength. What's that one thing you can do different this week? To be more like Christ. Christ.